All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Any long that get, and shout out to Real Life Crew. Hey, you're one of 12 listeners of the Real Life Podcast. Real Life Podcast. Thursday, the something of April. We, this is the hidden episode, because yeah. the last one we did, <laughs> we had a perfectly good episode talking about all sorts of wonderful things, and we had a big-time guest Big-time guest. Fresh from the Big Brother Canada house, and then we didn't get clearance from Global. So they said, that's great. You take that shit down. We don't care what kind of gold you spat or how uncomfortable Wanye was talking about life. It's down. So thank you, Global, for taking the small window of my life where I actually had to talk about real shit and closing it. Yeah. We're going to uh, probably sit on it for six to 12 months and let the dust settle and just quietly release it. Yeah. Uh, so under under Wanye's uh, radar. Just, August 8th. Just get it out It'll there. come out. Yeah. yeah. I like the idea of just uh, voicing over all of the guests spots and like we imitate the people that were on the show yeah we're just like it was like this when i was in there (laughs) (laughs) you're a stupid jerk one (laughs) well that's okay because the first rule of podcasting is keep podcasting never stop never stopping never stop stopping so today we're going to talk about an entirely different thing altogether but we are going to also start out by recapping the one thing that we were allowed to talk about and that was the finnish invasion that Jay led. There hadn't been this many Finns in Edmonton since ever. Since the Great War. Since the Great War against Finland. When Finland invaded. <laughs> they wanted our beaver pelts. They came right up the North Saskatchewan River. The whole Navy. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, since the Viking attacks of the, uh, the, <laughs> the 300s, I believe. So you brought in famed Finnish influencer Larvinen. Larvinen. Larvinen 12 on all the social channels. Yes, Jonas. The f- most famous man in Finland. He is considered the biggest sports fan in Finland. Uh, and if you follow him on social media, you probably can attest uh, or he attests to that statement. I love that dude's career path, by the way. Can I just say that? He turned his love of sport into a thing. Yeah. yeah. He merches. He's got merch. He came to Edmonton on this trip. Everybody knew him. He was living on the scoreboard, essentially. Oh, yeah. He, like, they, uh, well, I don't know if you've noticed the nation truck has been tagged with a Larvin and approved sticker. Mm, I did. He's been going around and uh, claiming property like the Finns did back in the 300s. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, Finns came, 25 Finns. These guys get sport. They cherish, embrace, they love it. We would lead marches where they're chanting to the brew house they would chant in the brew house they would then chant on the way from the brew house to the game and i'm getting sent videos from people's apartments because they hear the fins sending me videos of them marching towards uh rogers place and then they get into the building 
and then they keep chanting. All you can hear in the building, the only atmosphere being provided by the fans in the building was the Finns just doing their cheeky cheeky uh, chant. And uh, these guys just brought passion. Like it's just amazing to see sport through other people's eyes. And uh, Larvin is is the leader, and uh, it was a truly amazing experience. We took them to two games. They're here for five nights. Uh, these guys uh, go hard in the paint, if if you will. Uh, we had a lot of late nights, uh, and uh, but you know, very well behaved, very nice, and uh, it was just a truly amazing experience. Like I said, it's it's very cool to see Edmonton through someone else's eyes, and we have the honor of you know leveraging our community and partnerships to bring these people here and and do that and experience that firsthand. Like they it they came to Edmonton not knowing what it was. Sure, they know what the Edmonton Oilers are and what a Connor McDavid is, but it kind of begins and ends at that. Uh, you know, they're really here to see their Finnish players above all else. Um, and also, we're, you know, graced with their presence at dinner, Pooley, Arvey, and Koskinen hosted all the Hold Finns on, for you dinner. you had dinner with Pooley, Arvey, and Koskinen? Yeah, like the, wow. the Finns support the Finns. So, you know, they found out that 25 Finns were coming to Edmonton. They thought it was crazy, and they felt the need to come and, you know, host them for dinner and did a lot of photos and signings and all this crazy shit. So these guys came to Edmonton and had just a, a, an absolute VIP experience. Edmontonians think it's crazy a pack of Finns are here and they welcome with open arms wherever we go. And, uh, you know, when we did our little goodbye thing on, on Monday, it was emotional. And, uh, you know, they left me in like, holy shit, we didn't know what Edmonton was about. We came here and the biggest thing, they're like, yes, like, you know, like the, the arena, the this, the that, it's, it's awesome. But they're like, Edmontonians are so nice. Like everyone was so welcoming and like it just left such an impression on them that similar to the Swedes when we hosted them, they want to come back. So next year we're leveling up. We're going to double down. We're going to bring 50 Swedes, 50 Finns. Uh and we've got a uh a gaggle planned? Oh, a, no. a gaggle of Germans also kind of kicking tires. Uh so we're going to have a big crew of Euros coming next year. I think you're doing a very interesting thing because this is a Jay Downton production. Produced by Jay Downton, directed by Jay Downton, starring Jay Downton, and Oilers fans from around the world. When we talk about Tier 1 fans and Tier 2 fans and all of that outdated nonsense, I think that there is a real opportunity to build Oilers fan bases around the world. Right? You were telling me the story about how you went to see our friend Adirational Amanda at the Oilers store. Yep. Shout out to Amanda for hooking it up. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much. The Finns are forever grateful. The Finns came to the game. Uh, sorry to jump in. No, no. Each of them bought three jerseys. It was it was a Connor or a Nuge. So a couple of Nuges. Love the Nuge. Respect. Love the Nuge. Uh, and then it was, they, bu- they bought the building out of Koskinen and Puli Arvies. Like they had to get jerseys made in the game, uh, extra ones, because they bought the whole building out of them. So yes, thank you, Irrational Amanda. Amazing. But like, it's interesting because you're taking people who I think were fans of sport mm-hmm. and converting them into Oilers fans. Yep. And I always laugh because, like, I remember when we used to go to Iceland back in the beginning, right? We were like, unbelievable. This place is just magical. And then we started talking to Icelandic people who had seen their economy change from being the poorest country in Europe to being one of the tourism, being one of their leading parts of their economy. And I remember talking to a bartender one time and he said, nothing did more for Iceland's self-image than having a whole bunch of tourists show up and tell us how nice it is here. Because you take it for granted. Yep. One morning you wake up and you're used to seeing that mountain and you don't see the mountain anymore. Mm-hmm. One morning you wake up and the northern or nighttime, the northern lights are going and you don't look up. Yeah. But it's the same in Edmonton, right? Like we have a lovely building, but we're bad, mad at Scott Houston. And we've got a nice downtown, but boy, we're pissed at, you know, uh, Chirelli and his bullshit. But then you bring a group of people in here who've never been to Edmonton before, and you do a masterful job of showing them around and showing them real Edmonton. And lo and fucking behold, if it isn't Oilers fans that they remember when they're leaving as being the best thing about being here. Yeah. That video that we posted at Oilers Nation Alt, which is our 10th Twitter account in the last six days, of the Finns going nuts in the stands. What I thought was funny was the reaction of Canadian fans looking around because they're just like, uh, uh, nah, well, uh, mm, uh, there's clapping going on and they have a chant. But it was like part horror, but part like, this is so cool. Yeah. And like we watch more hockey than most anybody. So we watch college hockey and we watch footage from Europe. But you see what other arenas are like and you realize that the NHL, everyone's paying top dollar to get into the building. But there's a reason why there isn't a lot of you know, necessarily atmosphere in places like that. And as we don't have the same traditions that Finnish players do, if there was an Oilers chant 
that was written, perhaps by Larvenin, who knows? Yeah. And everybody was going to the games chanting like the Finns. And if you got into the arena and everybody was clapping and doing their version of the haka, Edmonton would be a crazy place to come and play hockey. Yeah. And like, it, leadership. It, it, yeah. Yeah. Leadership. Like, like I would love to bring an entire section worth of Finns uh, to the game. And have them just release them, like do your thing. Yeah. And then I bet you, I bet you, just kind of like one section would start embracing it, and kind of like the, the, wave. the wave, right? Yeah. It'd slowly kind of take over. But it's tough. Like it's also like us as a culture too, because we, we, you saw the reaction to yeah. the video where the people are like, oh my god, like I'm intoxicated by this, but I'm also scared at the same <laughs> time. Like it's because we, like we, we've got those like humble and like kind of like. We're the little guy, like quiet, you know, seen and not heard Canadians. That's NHL wide, I would argue, I, I, with the exception perhaps of Carolina when they're dunking. And on na- no, na- Nashville's got. That's uh, true. They've got a very good chant culture there, uh, and and and. But you know, they had to they had to fight for their supper. That was a very competitive market because they have football there, uh, and so they came and had to build a, a culture and a in a in an atmosphere, and they have, and it's 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 just evolving. It's become its own ecosystem. Well, but like just to bring it back to like Larvin, like. They forced their way onto the Jumbotron because they were the catch. Like they were making the chance in the stands. And then when they're on the concourse, like there was a video all of a sudden, like you're just watching the game, puck stops, you look at the screen, oh shit, there's Larvin in. He's fucking leading his chant with all the fucking Oilers activation team. He's got like 30 Oilers girls there, and they're all doing the cheeky chalky chant with him. He because of he's created all this attention pre-game, post-game, during game, they invited him to do an event. So next thing you know, the next period you look, sure as shit, there's Larvin on the screen and some barbecue burger flipping thing where he had to take pucks off a grill and flipped it uh, onto a, a little tray that was like six feet away. Larvin wins the goddamn barbecue. In essence, because Larvin won a barbecue, I won a barbecue. So... <laughs> You know, he gave you the barbecue? He gave me the barbecue. What an assist. $1,700 barbecue. Yeah, I, I needed a barbecue. I was going to go on Kijiji and try and find the $400 special. Uh, so Larvin is improving my lifestyle as an Edmontonian by coming here. I was going to say that barbecue that you posted. Oh, she's a beauty. She's a sexy beast. I just need to learn how to turn her on and uh, I'm going to make some burgers. You got her chained to the patio. I got her chained. Got nice. my, yeah, got, got my bike like, like my bike, like my bike lock on there. Good man. And uh, yeah, no, it's uh, so if you're going to come steal it, bring a saw. Yeah, that's your only way to get at it. But take a picture of the nation truck while you're there, too. Yeah, it's Larvin and approved now. Yeah. I think to your point, Jay, about like you'd like to see a section of fins in there. I think, well, first of all, there's going to be some empty seats that we're going to need to fill. Yeah. There's going to be some atmosphere that we're going to need to fill. <laughs> some air. <laughs> some air. I think that building, bringing in super fans and having them give us an exhibition of how to watch hockey is a really interesting idea. Yeah. Right. Because like, the last game I went to, there was two little girls in our section, bless their little hearts and Oilers jerseys, and they wanted to see a wave. And their dad gave up trying to tell them not to. And they were like six and eight. And they stood there and just started the wave and started the wave and started the wave. And our whole section was like, I don't want to fucking do the wave. It's game 79 of a lot. But you do because there's little kids there. Right. Yeah. And if you bring in fins or you bring in whomever has a different way of doing things, I really think that like people will catch on. It's just leadership. Yeah, leadership and consistency. Yeah. Like if it you just gotta consistently do it and just pound it in because for something to become a, a habit, you know, I what is it like how many weeks or it takes three weeks to develop yeah. a habit? Yeah. So like equate that into how many Oilers games you need to attend to establish those habits. But yeah. like you have to keep pounding it, pounding it, pounding it, pounding it, and then it'll just become it'll just go. You know, it's sent on naturally. It'll just kind of flow. It's like, oh, it's halfway through the first period. This is where we do that thing. Everyone stand up and yeah, clap you know, your twirl hands. around or clap. Yeah, like, twirl around. You know, Hug like the guy next to you and punch the guy on the other side. You, you can't fault the team, but you know, but it, it, it's a two way street. Both sides need to work together. Um, but you know, we also need a bunch of ambitious Edmontonians to want to kind of lead the charge on that to be the 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 pioneers, if you will. It. It, it it takes a lot of effort from our but like you saw what 25 people in one section in one corner of the building can do because everyone heard them even people on tv could hear them mm-hmm. i was getting sent videos and i think i might already said that of them walking up and down the street chanting like everyone was like everyone loved it there's just we're just scared to do it ourselves so that's the thing we got to disrupt 
Well, in an era where I think it's fair to say we're searching for Euler's culture, and we'll talk about this. Mm-hmm. This will be one of the central themes of the po- the replacement yeah, podcast. This is fan culture, yeah, yeah. and we're going to spin it over to team culture. Team culture. But it's interesting to see somebody who's got an entirely different culture of the same sport come in and just how they do things. Yeah. Now, Finns don't get booze. Is that correct in the stands? So, Finns can't drink in their seats. So, on ON Radio, uh, Larvenin was on. He was sharing kind of the things he loves. He was the whole, the, the, the biggest thing that like shocked the Finns is when they were able to walk to the, they felt like they were getting away with like a crime, bringing a beer to their seat. Because uh, in Europe, <laughs> and, I, and I learned this when we were in Sweden, is you can't, you can't drink in your seat. You can't anywhere where you like the, where you can see the ice. You can't drink. So, like, the customary thing to do is if you're, if you are uh, getting after it at a game, is you run an intermission to the beer line, you get two beers, and you just, you just watch these guys chug these beers because they only have like 15 minutes to do it. And then they run back in their seat and start dancing and clapping and singing and going crazy. I remember when I went to, I went to a pro game in Norway and it was such a weird culture shock for me because you couldn't drink. And I went to the what I thought was the concession for beer. And I was like, two beers, please. And the lady looked at me like I'd ordered black tar heroin and an Uzi. And she was like, oh, no beers. Crepes. And I was like, crepes? And then she like <laughs> gave me a crepe with jam on it. I'm like, I can't get yeah. drunk on crepes. Can I get drunk on crepes? Is there booze in these crepes? There yeah. is none. Does, is that, does that have a lot to do, you think, with how they have to entertain themselves? Because if I slam back four Rexall beers, even though they're at Rogers. But that should make us crazier. Like, that's the thing. True. Like, because like, like, we, we, we hibernate. Regular season, we're like, we're like bears in the winter. Yeah. We're hibernating. And then playoffs, you know, the thaw is on and we're out of our caves, our dens, our True. bear dens. True. And we go ham. Like, we do, we do have that crazy level. We just don't have it in regular season. I wonder how much of that has to do with 12 or 13 years playoffs missed. Yeah. And how much of that has to do with just the culture of being an Oilers fan is you kind of go in, you sit down, you shut up, you cheer for the cars in the SO race or the Tim Hortons cups flipping around as it may be. And then you go home. Well, if you watch Sunderland till I die, which I love, which everyone should, if you're an Oilers fan, shout out Netflix. There is a lot of similarities. They're watching their team. Just fall and fall and fall, and they're still going, and they're still going crazy. So it's it's a cultural thing, right? We have to build it. Like like I, I know there's teams in the SHL that are always being relegated or on the threat of relegation, and their supporters will be there. And yes, we call them supporters over there. Uh, are going over there? It doesn't matter, win or lose, they're going crazy. How easy would it be for the Oilers when you walk into the building? There's just like a little thing set up where you can pick up a piece of paper that's got all the chants on it. Yeah, little instruction. Yeah, yeah. A little instruction. That's that's an element, and then some, and then enough people to lead the charge. I honestly think that if you just gave out instructions on this is what you do in this certain times, mm. I think it would. I think it would work. Like even when we went Maybe. to the game in Vegas. They all seemed to have cues on things that they were supposed to do. And I remember looking around and I was like, oh, you guys like have your own little kind of chants and stuff at set times. But a lot of them come from the PA. Like the PA starts doing something, the crowd responds with something. Mm-hmm. Well, just don't do any of that. Well, the, the, they do the make some noise. Well, and the t-shirt. Does. And we make noise. We do when we're told. We, we, we do. We do make noise. That's the thing. Like we do need to be led. Uh for yeah, you're, I I I don't disagree that that would have an impact. But if we just said like, okay, like game one of next season, here's your sheet. You know, stay tuned. Or if we're saving paper up on the scoreboard, it's a beautiful scoreboard. Well, education, right? I think yeah, yeah you need education. education. But you also you need to have a group starting to do it, so so it gives yeah. you the why. Yeah, you're like, oh shit, oh wow, that, that's that's good. I, I don't like think that. it would take much work for bored Oilers fans to be told to have fun yeah. and a couple little tricks. Like we went to the game in Nashville and then we'd never been and it was very exciting. And then with a minute left, everybody in the arena, one minute left in the first period, everyone yells, thanks, Paul, the top of their lungs. Cause the guy who does the announcing is Paul and your old boy, Wanya is chugging a big bud light with 0.001% alcohol. And they go, thanks, Paul. And I shot two beer rockets out of my <laughs> nose. Cause it scared the shit out of me. And I'm like, what's that all about? And then the knowing guy next to us is like, well, we say thanks. Thanks, Paul, because Paul's the announcer. Like, whoever the hell cooked that up, it didn't take long for that to catch fire. But it's like yelling True North in Winnipeg. Oh, I wish we had a poll in the goddamn anthem. We should yell strong for True North Strong and Free. Or I'm- yell free and expect a <laughs> refund on our tickets. So they do, they do True North for Winnipeg. 
because of obviously True North is the the entity that brought the team back. They do stars for the stars when they anytime there's stars and Star Sandal Banger. Anytime uh they say oh twice in the uh in the national anthem for the US, and that's what they do in Washington to worship Ovi. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think. Oh, uh, uh, in Vegas, they've got knights because they say knights in it, which is cool. Uh, what else is there? I think just the point you're getting at is everybody that, in Florida is invisible. Oh, that picture that came culture. out the other day. Hold, you wow. see that picture, Jay? No. How many people were in the stands? 50? 50. Oh, shit. Yeah, shocking. Yeah, that was bad. It was like they were just having their morning skate. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That yeah. There's just 50 people got a chance to watch it yeah they're moving to regina (laughs) and i don't care you know what it's annoying to be missing the playoffs 12 or 13 years in edmonton and it's annoying that when zach cassian goes to fill up at esso somebody asks him about the penalty kill i will grant you that but it it's got to be way more demoralizing to go out on the ice for a game and know that the players outnumber the fans in the lower bowl and i and i just think of like the 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 staff there as well like there's probably a dj in house playing some Pumping techno. Oh, yeah, they love techno in Florida. Uh, getting people fired up. You and know it. Like 50 people there. Fuck. God. When we come back, we're going to talk about Oilers culture. We talked about fan culture. But we're going to talk about what should the culture of the Oilers be, even if the Oilers themselves don't know what it should be. Back after this, Real Life Podcast. Have you got holes to dig, earth to pack, and roads to build? Then you need to call Jabba Machinery Group. Does your equipment need a service? You can't fix stupid, but here at Jabba Machinery Group, we can fix everything else. With a full range of parts to keep your equipment running smoothly, Jabba Machinery Group is a family-operated and Alberta-grown business. Here to help build a bigger and better Western Canada. Give us a call or visit us at jabbamachinery.com. Jabba Machinery Group. Join the family. <laughs> Shout out Noopsie. I'm excited to, town. to see him. He's coming to town April 17th. April 17th. Should we get him back on the show? Of course we should. 100%. Off-season real-life podcast. We're going to have to dig deep. Dig deep for guests we can get clearance for. (laughs) Dig deep for people who maybe haven't been paying attention to the Oilers for the last six months. And Noopsie fits both bills. So what I want to talk about today is I haven't been on the show in a little while. I was drunk on one Monday. I'll be straight up honest with you, Bag Milk. I had a bunch of phone calls to make in the morning. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to do something I never do. I'm going to have a daytime drink. It's my life. I'm a grown man. Do what I want. I've got at least three pairs of underwear in my drawers. I've made it. So I had a couple cheeky vodka sodas while I was yelling at people on the phone. And then it was like noon. And I was like, you know what? I feel good. I'll have a couple more vodka sodas and think about the podcast. And then I went to leave and I was like, you know what? I don't know if I should drive to Little Brick. And I'm like, you know what? If I can't drive to Little Brick, I don't think I should be doing a podcast at Little Brick. So I pulled <laughs> shoot and you poor bastards had to talk to each other. So I haven't done a podcast since Nicholson's press conference about, or our interview rather, about what is Oilers culture. There's also uh, in that, in line with that, I think, is the comments from Connor postgame from the other night. Yeah. I think that fits into the culture conversation as well. So let's start with that. What uh, specifically, when you're talking with Con, this is the one where he looked like he was 178 years old. And one of the media asked if the momentum from this year is going to carry over into next year. And he laughed at them. Well, yeah, yeah. Like she threw out the question, how do you feel about being eliminated from the playoffs? Yeah. And then immediately followed up with, well, you guys are playing well right now. Do you think you can care? Like, it was like, almost like she's like, Oh, what have I done? Was that an Oilers media person? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was uh, from Oilers TV. Okay. But you have to ask the question. So of course. I, so you have to. So I just, I looked at Connor. I watched the press conference. I did the article. And every time I read his quotes, you can just see a guy who just, man, he's tired of losing. Yeah. I know a lot of people right now, the sexy thing to do is to say he wants to leave. No. There's a very big difference to me between being frustrated with losing and wanting to leave. And I don't think the two are related in this case at this point. But he was... This, to me, was about as honest as Connor has been um, without kind of having his guard up, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, he's always so measured in his responses, but I think this, he kind of let loose. And it was refreshing to say to see because I think that when he says it, it carries more weight than anyone. Mm. So for him to say, it's been an insane season. We've had a coaching change, a GM change, good times and bad times. It's been a roller coaster. It's been emotionally challenging. It's been very hard mentally to keep on going, but we always 
but we were always kind of right there. We were close and we drifted away. That was the way it went this year. And then when he was asked about next year, that's when Connor, like, he laughed. And he's like, listen, we don't even have a GM. So I don't think we have any position to comment on next year. We have a lot of crap to figure out. I hope we can put the right man in the spot and we can put together a good team. When asked about his frustration, it's very, very high. Really, really high. It's frustrating. We want to play in the playoffs as a team. I personally want to play in the playoffs. I'm not happy at all. It's going to be a long summer. Whew. That's savage. It's tough, I love man. it. Like, yeah, it's 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 terrible to hear, but I just I love the fire. Yeah, I love that he said it because yeah. I guarantee when that clip went out, there was a bunch of people in nice suits that went, "Oh boy, yeah." Maybe that's what maybe Wanya, you've said it before. Listen maybe to your captain. Maybe it's darkest before the dawn, and maybe this is it. I think that change never comes when things are going well. Right. If the status quo and there's this is the others have proven this. If the status quo is not horrible, the status quo will continue. And that goes to business, that goes to relationships, that goes to politics. You never break up with your girlfriend if things are going pretty good okay. Right. We go into the 2019 offseason in need of one of everything. We need a POHO, we need a CEO, in my opinion, we need a GM, we need a coach, we need a new usher in section 112, we need a new burger, we need all sorts of shit. And you could argue that four years, you know, this is going to be the opportunity for the page one rewrite that the Oilers have really needed since God knows when. Yes. And when you have number 97 looking 97 and he says that, I think that's the match that's going to light the fuse that's going to blow this thing up and not blow this thing up necessarily with a rebuild, but blow this thing up with the other half of the organization cleaning itself out. Yeah, it's yeah, we need we need new leadership following the right vision uh and executing the right plan, but like no, that <laughs> you do with the nucleus or the core that we have, like the future is bright. We just had two guys get over 200 points for the first time in infinity. Mm-hmm. Uh and we've got other guys that are rising up and we've got, you know, some guys down in the farm team that are putting pressure to get into the lineup. You know, I think now is the time to leverage the future to make the team good now. So we need the right mind to steer the ship. We have to stop trading Ryan Strom for Ryan Spooner and Drake Kajula, who fucking fought Dustin Bufflin, P.S., uh, for Brendan Manning. I think that... The conversation that Gregor had with Nicholson was really revealing for me. And he's been, he's been dragged through the mud and he's been dragged over hot coals. And there's not necessarily much sense rehashing that now two weeks later. But I almost think that we're getting to the point with the OEG where analyzing what they're doing wrong, there's really no return on it anymore. Because it's so obvious that they're doing everything wrong that they basically could be doing to prevent this team from going forward. I think it's maybe a little bit more productive to think about like, how should they be doing things going forward? Not only in terms of personnel, but this idea of culture, right? It keeps coming up. And I think it's really interesting. And when I say culture bag milk, I don't mean Cardi B and Offset's kid. hey Her name is culture too with a K. I think culture is a funny thing because it, companies wield it all the time. They're like, our culture is, you know, we have a break every Friday afternoon where you can go play foosball. Like that doesn't really mean anything, right? But there is an intangible where you you're seeing it with the others. You can spend to the cap every single year. There were years where the only thing preventing the others from being awesome was like half a million bucks of additional payroll. Yeah. It would have allowed him to keep Smitty, would allowed him to keep Billy G and Dougie Waite, and away we would have gone. And we were watching people walk out the door because we couldn't afford it. Yeah. Whether you like Daryl Cates or not is irrelevant. You can definitely say he plugged the financial hole in the side of the bucket of the others. The bank account is infinite. We can afford whomever we want. But... There's a commonality here to how many players have come to the Oilers organization in the last 30, 13 years and underperformed like a hundred. Yeah. Right. Um, when we had Cassian come in and he turned his life around and he's been in the, I think an amazing oiler. That was one of the first retread projects in ages that the Oilers brought in that actually worked out. Yeah. And you, at the same time, 
when you see a guy like Drake Kajula leave town and catch fire, or you see stupid Ryan Strom go to stupid New York and score 15 stupid goals and be Career heralded high. as the next Rocket Richard winner, yeah. there's a legitimate question to be asked about why aren't guys doing it here? And I think the answer is the organizational culture, right? So what are your thoughts, Bagwell? Is that an accurate thing? Or do you think it's just like if we had better players, it doesn't matter about culture because skill wins? I think you need both. They need better players. Yeah. Um, like you said, we have a core. We have two players with 100 plus points. We've got Nuge that's going to hit 70. Who is playing with, look who he's playing with tonight. His wingers, have, points. his wingers have 10 combined goals. Um, and that's your second line. So that's a problem. You can't have your second line where all of the heavy lifting is being done by one dude. However... And he's doing it still. Of course he that's is. That's fucking nude. Well, that's why I raged yesterday when Craig Simpson's talking about trading him for a fucking plug that has 37 points. That's, anyway, that's another conversation. That's a Ryan Strom, Ryan Spooner situation. But I think you're right in that when you come here... There should be expectations of what to exp- uh, of how to act, not just on the ice, outside of it, and you have to buy in, and everybody's on the same page. Like I would love to know: Do the Oilers still take out the rookies and get them their first suit like they used to back in the nineties? Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Like, does that still happen? Mm-hmm. I would love to know what they're doing to try and cultivate a a winning culture here, because so far what we've seen is a lot of talk about the word, but not so much in terms of action. Well, and when Gregor asked uh, Bobby Nix about culture, he couldn't give him an answer. And you would think your CEO would have a well, definite He should be the culture. leader. It's, 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 they should be setting the structure of culture that your team should have. I thought it was shocking, Nicholson's response to Gregor. Because it sounded to me like a guy who doesn't have his head wrapped around even what the concept of culture is, quite frankly. Let alone, like, if you're a CEO of a $600 million company and you get wielded out in front of the, wheeled out in front of the media and they say, hey, what's up? You fucked up for the 12th time in 13 years. Tell me about your culture. You need to have talking points ready. Sure. That wasn't a, that, that was a, one of the things that pisses me off about the OEG is that they're always winging it. Right. When they wheel a guy out at the podium in beautiful Rogers place to have a chat, he doesn't have any talking points prepared. He hasn't done gone through a run through of what he's going to say. They just wheel out with no notes. And they're like, ah, fuck it. I'm going to wing it. What's up, Terry Jones? What's the first softball question you're going to lob my way? Yeah, and this is the way it's been. It's arrogance. It's arrogance. And this is the way it's been since 1979. And it's a lot easier to go out and talk to the media when you're talking about how you're looking to repeat as cup champions. And I think back in the day in the room, they had a culture of winning. But it was like an OG dressing room where what we talk about here ends at the door. Yeah. And then for some strange reason. And that- they had slots. Slots was the kind of the thing that was the separation between ownership and the room. Yep. Right. If you ask Glenn Sather what the culture of the Edmonton Oilers is or was when he was still here, I bet you he would give you an amazing reply. Yeah. Because he has drilled what being an oiler is into so many oilers over the years that's top of mind. When I see a guy like Bobby Nix being like, I don't even think he's talked to an oiler about what it means to be an oiler in his entire time here. Only when he talked to is he was apologizing to Toby Reader. Wow. That, <laughs> well, I mean, again, we don't need to drag him over the calls. But if I was Cates and I was watching that, I laughed so hard when he phoned in the interview. Like, Jared, Darryl we got to get that Daryl Katz clip into our intro so that we never, ever, ever forget the time that the boss called while Nicholson was on the air. But if I'm Kate's and I'm watching my CEO of my floundering organization being asked very basic questions about how the organization's supposed to run, and he was that clueless, I'd honestly dismiss him on that basis. But it requires a better option. And so if we give Daryl Kate's the benefit of the doubt for the last little while and say, you know, like part of the problem of the Oilers, I think, has been this revolving door of coaches. Right. When you have a guy like Yakupov, what did he have? Four coaches in four years? Something like that. Yeah. You're not going to really instill any sort of consistency into these guys. You're not really going to instill any sort of like larger meaning because the guy delivering it's changing every season. So on the one hand, they've almost made too many moves, but none of them have been the right moves. Right. 
But if I'm Cates and I'm sitting there and he goes, oh, yeah, culture is super important. Just a tick. My phone's ringing. Huh? What? I lost my train of thought. Like, these are your last words, assuming I can go out and find somebody better. Right? So I think we should talk about today is what should the culture of the Oilers be? And what should be the answers when somebody says, hey, what does it mean to be an Edmonton Oiler? And how does this whole thing go together? You want to do that? Sure. Jay? Always. You're fresh off a of Finnish experience. You know a lot about culture. <laughs> yeah. So I have like four points that I wrote down on a scrap piece of paper I found under the desk because this really doesn't take very long if you're actually sitting down and wanting to think about it. It's just if you don't want to think about it, you're never going to have any answers. The first thing I would think is the most important part of culture for the Oilers is hard work. Right? Oilers fans pay for their tickets with their blood and sweat. This isn't a case of Xerox buying 14 luxury boxes and 15 sections of the building and everyone's there on their expense account. This is like people deciding I'm going to go to an Oilers game and I'm not going to get my kid braces and they're going to go through life looking fucked up and probably won't get the best girlfriend they could get because their teeth are all gibbled because I would rather go watch the Oilers play in the 2019 season. (laughs) And so I think what Oilers fans want is to know that that level of sacrifice and effort is being matched on the ice. I think there's nothing more frustrating for an Oilers fan, whether it's right or wrong, than to think that there's a bunch of arrogant players or some arrogant players or a particular arrogant player who's just mailing it in. Mm -hmm. Because I think it spits in the face of all the people who have laced it up for the Oilers and done an amazing job. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be 99 or 97 to be a good Oiler, right? There have been plenty of players over the years that have come through these doors and given it their all, and whether they're a third-line winger or a third-pairing D-man or a backup goalie, they're still revered, right? Guys like Hendricks, guys like Ulanov, guys like Jason Smith, guys like Billy Guerin and Doug Waite and Ryan Smith. These are guys who came to the Oilers and gave it their all, and Oilers fans held them in high, high regard as legends. And if I was going to talk about what is the culture of the Oilers, the first thing I would hit them with is it's about hard work. Thoughts, Megan? Yeah, you're 100% right. And uh, hard work can also mean a lot of different things, not just on the ice as well. Mm-hmm. Like when the off season comes and you know what? Like what I'm talking about is one thing I like is getting the updates about Connor with his skills coach from the summers. Connor McDavid is the best player on the fucking planet. Mm-hmm. And he goes out and hires a skills coach because he feels he needs to get better. That's hard work. That's hard work. That's, yeah. Everybody needs to be following along. Reggie Sakara, Guy blows out his knee and then blows out his Achilles heel. And he's blown out parts left and right and the other. That guy came back and has looked great. And that's because of hard work. Yep. That's mm-hmm. the opposite of the Phantom Ference injury where he fucked off into the night. This guy's. I thought he was dead. I, I, don't I think, didn't expect him to play. That guy coming yeah, I back. I wrote him off. Being a Masterton nominee, absolutely. That's hard work. And I think Oilers fans see it and respect it. Oh, yeah. Every game, Reg does something where I'm just like, wow. No one else on our blue line can do what he just did. Even, what's that guy, Josh Curry? Yes. That guy came up. He's like, I'm so happy to be here. Holy shit. And I think Oilers fans are like, damn, this guy's worked his ass off to get here. Matt Hendricks, 26, 27 years old, never played a game in the league. Came in here put on his hard hat and went to work. And I think Oilers fans really respected it. So if I'm being, if I'm Bobby Nix and I'm being asked about the culture of the Oilers, I would start out saying that hard work is a cornerstone of being here. And I would tell every player when they walk through the door, guys who come in here and work their balls off are legends. And it doesn't matter that Edmonton's cold. And it doesn't matter that when you're leaving Cactus Club, somebody lips you off. If that shit happens, all the other Oilers fans are going to create a mob in the streets and pump you up. We got, we got your back. Second thing I would say the culture of the Oilers needs to be community and working with the fans, right? Oilers fans, as we well know, we have our PhD in Oilers fandom. They are hardcore. They have written this season off 12 of 13. How many visits are we going to get in a good day to the site, Bagmo? Oh, it could be anywhere from 100,000 plus. There isn't another team I can think of in the NHL that could roll out this buffet of garbage and still have this many people caring. And that's a double-edged sword, right? Because if you miss the playoffs, everyone's still paying attention. But it ain't Florida. 
It ain't Calgary. It ain't Vancouver. It ain't Colorado, who we saw the other night. They got big gaps in their seats, and they're scratching their heads trying to get fans. Oilers fans care. And so the Oilers need to take the lead and understand that this is the shining city on the hill, our fair town, and the Oilers are the centerpiece of the town, whether you're a hockey fan or not. So goes Edmonton. So goes the Oilers. And I think that Oilers need to know. If you're a Vancouver Canuck, I think you're mandated to make two appearances a month in the community. And there's nothing like that. I think about when we had George LaRock on Oilers Nation Radio. Mm-hmm. And he talked about the Oilers had to actually tell him to slow down his community involvement. He was going out so much to see kids. To, yeah, on his own. On his own. Um, they need more of that. They need to get back to that. I think it's very fulfilling for the players too. Right? Of course, of course. It, is. it gives them a sense of community. Of it gives them a connection to the fandom. And it shows them who they're playing for. And the impact that they have on those people. It's there's there's a disconnect right now. And it's not Connor McDavid's fault. Because Connor all Connor wants to do is play hockey and practice and try to be the best player. He needs to be led a little bit. But he rolled up to Ronald McDonald House. Oh yeah, yeah, of course. But like, yeah, of course. But like, you know, there's there's also the team that needs to take the lead on that. Right? Just tell Connor what to do. Go score on the power play, Connor. Okay, coach, I'll go do it. Go see the kids in the hospital. Okay, coach, I'll go do it. Mm. You know, some you know, it needs it, it needs some leadership. But like, yeah, they need to have a connection with the community. They don't. They're put in a black box. Yep. Right, and that it goes, does both sides a disservice. It yeah. does the team a disservice, and it does the community a disservice. And yeah. I think you mentioned it earlier, where people are spending so much of their hard-earned money to go to games. A lot of people can't do that. So to see the Oilers out in in public at a signing at West Ed or whatever it is. It's just a good look for everybody. Well, look, look in the heyday. Like, you know, when I talked to my dad or like people of that generation that were around the Oilers, like they all have like s- stories of connecting with the Oilers yep. in one way, shape or form because yep. they were out in the public. They were involved with the public. Uh, and like there was such a crazy connection. You don't have that right now. No, like I, I was saying, it's just it's community involvement is always a good look, just like what you'll get from our friends. At Indochino. Oh! Yes. Bag Milk has done it again. He's done it again. The Lost Podcast, your segue (laughs) into Indochino was fire. Boys, how it works is you need to get yourself measured up. You can do this at any of their showrooms, Wanye. I know you're in the market for a new suit. Maybe something with a nice lapel. I am desperately, desperately in the need for a new suit. Maybe some penguin tails. Look real sharp. The longer, the better. What you need to do is you need to get yourself measured either in any of their showrooms or online. From there, you're going to choose your style of suit you want. You're going to customize that baby with all the fire ads you need. You know, you want that inside to be bright pink, Jared. You get that pink inside, buddy. From there, you want to get an extra leg sewed on your suit because you're going to go three leg, the new style. Everybody's doing it. Yeah. Everybody's doing it. What you need to do is you need to get yourself measured. Then Indochino is going to store your measurements. So anytime. You need a fresh suit. You just fire them an email and say, hey, I got wedding season coming up. I need to look boss. They're like, I got you. So let me get this straight. Go ahead. Say I got an Indochino suit. Mm-hmm. And then I'm killed in a horrific meteor accident where I'm walking down the street and a meteor hits me square in the head. Could they take my measurements and clothe my charred corpse for my funeral? Not only will they clothe your charred cop, uh, corpse, You'll have that baby right out of the box in two, three weeks. Unbelievable. Wow. What a company. Yeah. Indochino.com. Go check them out. Beautify your life. I'm seriously coming to visit you soon. I've been invited to two events that require a suit for which I have none. There are, well, now you know where to go. Indochino. Thank you, Becky. Go check them out. That Thank shows you. the difference between you and I, Jay. You're going to real events, and I'm saying I need a suit or a meteor to hit me in the head. <laughs> shows you where we're headed in life. You up, me down. If I'm Bobby Nix and I'm called out about culture, my first two points is hard work and community of working with the fans and not against them. Those are my first two points. My third point would be accountability and transparency. And I think this is something that is absolutely lacking at every level of the Oilers organization right now. I swear to you, as somebody who has been talking to Oilers fans around the clock now since 2007, what Oilers fans, 2008, what Oilers fans really, really want, I think more than anything, is just to understand what's going on. They want somebody to be rolled out in front of them and look them in the eye like they do on Sutherland Must Die. 
or oh. never die. What's it? Something like till I die. Till I die. Must not must die. No, it doesn't no, make any no, sense. They should never die. But they're rolling people out to not talk down to fans. They're looking them in the eye. And this gets back to hard work, right? If you're a hard work in Edmontonian and you're putting 65 hours in a week to buy your Oilers mini pack and you're working your bag off and you're like, hey, you know, I don't seem to see a lot of playoff games on my schedule for the last 13 years. What's up? These are people who deserve to be looked in the eye and told what's going on. And I swear to you, if Bobby Nix rolls out this year and he's like, all right, here's a problem. Secker went down the knee injury and Clefbaum broke a finger and an eyelash, a bunch of other stuff. And I don't care if you like Peter Torelli or you don't. He had no control over all of that. And that really gummed us up. And so we got to work on our depth. But that's one of the big problems that we had this year. I don't think Oilers fans are going to freak out more than they already are if they're actually hearing some feedback. And somebody, this is what kills you about the Oilers right now. Who the hell is in charge? Slats was in charge. Yep. 100%. 100%. And he's still dressed like Indiana Jones with a cigar in his mouth in New York. And even though he's stepping down from a day-to-day advisory role, best believe the Dolan family is going to keep him around yeah. because Slats gets it. He knows what it means to be a Ranger. Yeah. We have no Slats. We have nobody here who's going to take, in my estimation, an ounce of accountability and walk out in front of the fans and be like, hey, you know what? Trading Kajula in hindsight? Whoops. The closest thing we're going to get is a guy throwing Toby Reader under the bus as a sacrificial lamb when he had nothing to do with anything. No. And I think that this compounds the problem with Oilers fans more. Yeah. And I think this is what's leading to the slow leak of fans out the door right now. Yeah. And to talk about accountability, uh, the organization has been holding the coaches accountable when, you know, their job is to just coach the players they have. Uh, and there's that arrogance and the level above that ins- that that insists that they're doing all the right things, and you know then it just compounds the fact they're not telling us what we actually should know. They do all these bad things. They just kind of hope it just wipes under the the rug, and then you know go public and say something as crazy as as Toby Reader is a bum, uh, and uh, think that they've done a good job. I'd also want to tack on humility to your accountability point. Yeah. Uh, the way that sometimes the Oilers management just talks down to the people that support this franchise, regardless of what's going on, is shocking. Oilers fans are not an annoyance. No. Oilers We're, fans are not part of the problem. Fuck no. We, I swear to God, we are the best hockey fans in the league. And... You know, when you go to things like Vegas, like we did, and you see how we travel, like, fuck, like, we're like, like English Premier League level fans in the terms of like the support we show for this team. We fucking travel in numbers to support these guys to just get let down. For sure. And, you know, others fans are negative. How in the fuck? 12 out of 13 years. How can't we be? Exactly. We don't want to be. You've beat, you've beaten us into submission. Yeah. Yeah, what like, do you want us to do? Exactly. Like there's, there, to bring it back to the community point, your fans are your community. And when you resent us, like that's not a good look. That's not going to sit well with us. And we will eventually crack, which is clearly what's happened the last couple of years. It would be amazing to think about the franchise in 2019 if there was no Connor. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, God. Amazing I, is I, not the oh. word I'd use. Like... He's like, like, just like those, those, those few guys that we have on our team are the only thing that, you know, are just keeping me sane. Like, yeah, sometimes I step out of the reality of that, you know, we're in 25th place. and I'm just like, fuck, you know what? If these guys are going to be putting a hundred points a season together, like we're good. Like we're fine. We can, we can fix this. Like I believe in the process, uh, but we need to have new people hitting up what that process is. But like, I, I, I see the positivity, but like, no, we have a right to be upset. And, you know, I'm happy that people are voicing it because that's only that's, that's that's fair. I agree. And I think that when you have a fan base as passionate as the Oilers are and you never make any real statements of accountability to fans mm-hmm. and then you side eye shit on them for being negative. It's a horrible culture. 
Horrible. It's, it, it is amazing. The one thing that I will say, though, about Oilers fans is that we are delirious in the sense of we continue to support this even though we get taken for granted and not respected. Well, I think it's the- amazing. It's amazing how like resilient we are with our support. And like, you know, it's getting taxed to the max right now. Uh, and the leash is getting shorter and shorter with a lot of a lot of us. But like. Like any, if, if like I said, if this was Carolina and this is what it had, and they built that empty team's gone, team is gone, empty. That Kool Aid is delicious, though, isn't it? Well, oh. I think we've got three of the most positive Oilers fans on the planet here, and you know when you're talking about you respect Larvinen because he took his fandom and made it into a thing. I love it. I think that we did a similar thing here, but it's easy to make Oilers Nation because Oilers fans are so awesome, right? I talk to Oilers fans all day long. Bag Milk, you talk to Oilers fans all day long. Jay, you're bringing in Oilers fans and you're converting them like it's some sort of weird Scientology church and Godspeed to you, right? Mm-hmm. I don't find Oilers fans to be overly negative. I find that I'm, the other day I sent out a tweet and I was like, we're going to be great. Connor's revenge will be swift and brutal. And this one guy sends me a tweet. I can't remember his name right now, but he's like, oh, I'm not buying your Kool-Aid. This is a bunch of bullshit. And I tweeted back at him, can somebody get another cup of Kool-Aid? Mine seems to not be working. And the guy comes back the next week. He's like, ah, man, I'm sorry. Like, I appreciate you trying to be positive. I'm just super bummed out. Oh. One tweet back to that guy not being negative, And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Things aren't as bad as they seem. Well, yeah, we're just to the core. We like, we want to be positive and cheer for this. But like on, on the surface, yeah, there's a little like little negativity bias there. Of course be- there is. Because... 12 out of 13 years. Like, it is fucking right to do so. So we need to try to fix that. So good on you for, you know, drilling through his little negativity shell and getting back to the positive Oilers fan that he is. Because that's what we all are. And I, f- I feel like, you know, being as good of fans as we are and and, 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 and and supporting the team as hard as we do and now having an owner who's got the bank account that we need, who's willing to make the investment, we're fucking entitled to perennial playoff hockey mm-hmm. i'm sorry mm-hmm. we're fucking entitled to it mm-hmm. and there's teams out there in competitive markets that can't even fill the building that are making the playoffs year over year over year over year and i just look and i'm like fuck that must be nice i think and the- they don't even know they don't even know half like anything about the team or half of them but you know like it's yeah. like no one knows their team as much as we know our team and that's why we know that toby reader is the problem and we chant toby 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 yeah game 79 i think that the cultural rot the Oilers have affects the team all 360. So it affects the fan base. It affects the expensive fans. I know a guy who has spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on Oilers tickets since 1988. I would be shocked to think about how much money my buddy has spent on the Oilers. Oh, yeah. He's as good an Oilers fan as you'll ever get. He would cringe if we said his name, so we won't. This guy's canceling his tickets, man. He's had tickets since 1988. And by my rough math, that was 31 years ago. And he's done. And he's done because things like, oh, I have a bunch of loge seats, which are extraordinarily expensive. And I wanted to get tickets to a concert of whomever the fuck it was. And he phones his loge guy and he goes, hey, can I get tickets to this concert? And the guy goes, sure, go online and buy them. And then he wants to go to an Oilers away game and he wants to rent a suite and he calls up his guy and he says, Hey, can you get me a suite and wherever the hell he wanted to go? And the guy goes, yeah, contact your team and they'll hook you up. If you're dropping a hundred large a year, wait, a hundred large, is that a hundred grand or a hundred million? If you're dropping a hundred thousand dollars on tickets every year and you want to call up and get more tickets to an event, that shit should be VIP. They should be meeting at the door, shaking your hand giving you an Oilers garbage can and saying, thank you for buying tickets to Drake. Yeah. And instead the Oilers off the ice have pissed this guy off so much. Yeah. He's like, fuck them. Yeah. And that is a very difficult fan to get back. Yeah. And there aren't 10 of him waiting in line to take his place, even though the OEG and their delusion think like, Oh, well fuck it. There's a lot. No, it's the reverse. The lineup's not to come in. It's to get out at the moment. Right. And I think that, the sponsors are being treated the same way. Oh, oh, yeah. I've heard some things. Right. There was a bank that we knew that was a sponsor of the Oilers that said, we're not going to renew our deal a few years back. And the OEG phoned them up. They're like, hey, 
we heard you're not renewing. We'll do this and this, and we'll do this and this, and we'll help you with this. And the bank went, where the fuck was this during our last three-year deal? Mm-hmm. Beat it. And they told him to beat it. And now, granted, Scotiabank came in and did a national deal, and so they have offset that dough. But for a while, there was that bank logos everywhere in the arena, and they weren't paying because there was nobody else to step in. Right? And I think that that also extends to how they treat their players. Right? There are many, 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 many instances that we hear about where the Oilers players are being treated like shit. And they're being treated like they're expendable. And the amount of support that you get if you're an oiler when you show up in town, I think is horrendous. You got a guy like Nail Yakupov who wheels in on a yak from the Urals of Russia. He is experiencing culture shock like none other. And the fact that you don't have like a Russian translator slash billet waiting for you at the other end to help integrate you into the team and into the city, you're basically just left on your own. There's a lot of off ice problems that lead to on ice poor performance. Sure. And I think you got to remember, this is a $600 million business that's predicated on the performance of 18 to 27 year old young men. And it's young men that are making a shitload of money and get a shitload of babes and get a shitload of attention and suffer horrific injuries and have they're in their heads. I don't know an NHL player who isn't in his head. They're all in their heads. And if you were to take better care of your players, past and present and future, and make sure that they're getting help and coaching. Mrs. Everly. Remember when I met Mrs. Everly? <clears throat> How can I forget? I was a, court, Everly. a courting of the of, for the ages. That's the best I've ever done with a lady in a first encounter. <laughs> and she said to me, I don't understand why NHL teams think you don't need billets when you get into the NHL. Yeah, exactly. When you're in junior, you go play for the Moose Jaw Warriors, number one in the WHL. Don't look that up. They're taking care of you. And there are people that we met when our buddy uh, had a cup party this year and he brought the cup to Edmonton and it was a marvelous time. Yep. His billets were there from Moose Jaw. Yep. Because he considers them to be a cornerstone. Yeah, family. Exactly. And if you're bringing in a guy like Yakupov and you've got professional billets in mind, I would honestly do this if I was the others. I have 30 fucking families like the Strudwicks who are as good a folk as you could get. Oh, yeah. And be like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to throw you in the Strudwick basement. And they do to some degree. I mean, players will live with players, but it's all haphazard bullshit. And there's no real thought given to who stays with who and who lives with who. Mm -hmm. But if you could help, and this is my fourth point of this idea of once an oiler, always an oiler. I think it's like a magnificent, magnificent thing to say, assuming you don't just mean once a 1984 oiler, always a 1984 oiler. Yeah. Right. They just, I saw last night in Chicago, they had this thing one last lap. Have you ever seen that bag milk? No, go ahead. So Rocky Wirtz, owner of the Hawks, takes over from Dollar Bill Wirtz, who is as stingy and terrible as an NHL owner can get. A real bad owner, not Daryl Cates' bad owner. Uh, yeah, Strud's has got some stories about, uh, what, what's the dad's name? Bill Wirtz. Bill, yeah, yeah. Called yeah. him Dollar Bill because he was cheap. Yeah, yeah. About the, yeah, about a bad culture. That guy, it was giggling. So Rocky takes over. I think he was like 50 when dad died or in his late 40s. He's like getting there. Um, he figures out that the Hawks are losing $40 million a year, I read. Huh. Right. But they're like able to make it go away and blah, 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 blah. So like Rocky set about rebuilding the team's culture and doing things like they would never televise home games because Dollar Bill is convinced convinced if you could watch it on TV, you wouldn't go to the game, ignoring entirely all the people who can't afford to go to the game or won't go to the game for various reasons and restoring local TV contracts and shit like that. But they have a thing where old Hawks come back on the ice for one last lap. And last night I was watching the Espositos. Tony and Phil. And I can't remember which one's a goalie, but he had his old goalie pads on. Tony. Ha! And they were out there doing a lap, and they're like, Tony Esposito is the 10th winningest goalie in NHL history, and Phil is top five in uh, Chicago scoring. And they're getting applause. They're doing their lap. It's like they did when they were retiring guys' numbers. Yeah. But all the Hawks are slapping them on the pads as they're skating around, and all the old Hawks fans who don't know shit about shit are like, whoa, the Esposito's gangster. Right? And I think that The fourth point should be that like once an oiler, always an oiler. And we should do more to make sure we can't control the weather in Edmonton. We can't control bad negative fans, the very small percentage of the fan base. But we could make it a goal of let's treat our players past, present and future as though they are gold. And if by addressing things like, I don't know, man, maybe give them like life coaches. 
I was going to say in New York, the Islanders, they specifically hired a life coach for Matt Barzel. Yeah. That helps him with nutrition, uh, training, how to manage money. He is not part of the organization, but they paid for him. And he's teaching the kid how to be a professional athlete. You could mine former Oilers and find guys who were good dudes, glue guys, and keep them employed mm-hmm. and make them life coaches. And if you're Milan Lucic and you roll into town fresh off signing a giant deal, you should be trotted into Roger's place into the offices. You should be sat down in a conference room and they should roll out your life coach for you and your family. And you say, Milan, as part of being an oiler, just to let you know, you've got weekly sessions with this life coach, Mrs. Lucic. We're also going to take care of you. We're also going to make sure that if you don't know where the hell to go to get a new bedspread, you call up your life coach and there's no such thing as a stupid question. Yeah. And we're going to help you. And P.S., we're going to keep this person employed until you're dead. So if you haven't, if you're Igor Kravchuk, and I saw him the other day on Twitter, and he's like, nice. I, I coach my son's hockey. And I'm like, that isn't really a thing. But okay, I think you probably got a lot of free time in your hands. Igor Kravchuk should be able to call up somebody in Edmonton if he's having a life crisis. And somebody should be waiting on the other end and talk him through whatever he's going through. Yeah. And if you started offering services like that to players, especially in an era now where we're more aware of mental health than ever before. And you said, we are going to make an investment in you now and down the road so that there's always somebody here to talk. Word gets out among players who are largely treated like cattle in every sport and every team that this is actually an exception. And that niceness that the Finns felt of Edmontonians, that culture needs to spread into the organization so that you're like, shit, I played eight games for the Oilers in 1993. The other day when my wife told me to get fucked, I called him up. Somebody answered the phone. It was still the same guy I was talking to back in 93 who remembers me and we have continuity and yeah. talked me off the ledge. There's, uh, I know the Flames have it. I know the Kings have it. Uh, former players that uh, kind of act as that intermediary from a, like, if you need to talk. Yeah. You know, you know, if if you're in a slump and need to talk, or if you're having issues, or if you're battling substance, or you're battling, they've got designated like Brian McGratton in it yeah. for 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 Calgary. Calgary. So like that safety net, there's the bro code of like, hey, I played. Yeah. Right. So like, let's so dressing room talk, open book, everything stays with me. Yeah. And like, I'm here to support and help. And I can't remember the guy's name. He's a former player too, uh, in LA. So like, some of the teams are taking those steps to do that. So these guys have that support and can have some guidance when they need it because they're not going to go to coach. No, they're not going to go to GM. No, right. That's so they they need that outside that outside help, but it also needs to be someone who was them who can understand them. If we took really good care of young single Oilers and made sure that somebody was taking Yessi Pugliarvi to the airport when he needs to leave, if we were taking good care of young families, Cam Talbot. People love Cam Talbot, even though he was letting in shady goals here and there because he was so active in the community and his family was so amazing. Lived here year round. If you're taking care of players like that, is it unreasonable to think that you couldn't get an $80 million payroll to play 5% better because they're in a good headspace most of the time? I think the ROI in this shit could be huge. Mm -hmm. And I think that the changes that the Oilers culture needs to make, there's never been a better time than 2019 and the rollouts and progressive shit. And on that note... This wasn't the podcast we thought we'd do, and it wasn't a bad one. Real Life Podcast. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.